0: As you remain standing tonight, we're going to go to the book of Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. I, uh, I was sitting in the, the airport the other day. I don't know if I can tell you this story fast enough. Uh, we're going to 2 Peter chapter 3. I was standing in line in uh, security at the airport. And I uh, had to take my shoes off. You know, you got to pretty much get undressed. And uh, I was there taking my belt off and all that stuff, praying to God my pants would stay up. And uh, I heard this female voice behind me say, I like your socks. Well, I had socks that had airplanes on it. And so she said, You just wearing those because you're traveling? I said, Well, ma'am, I have a sickness. I said, I, I love airplanes. And... So we started talking and we ended up ordering coffee in the same line and I went over and sat down and she came walking by So struck up a conversation with her and told her why I was in town about the powerful church that uh, I had preached at that weekend and began to share the good things of the Lord. And, and uh, I said, uh, where are you headed today? She said, Indianapolis. I said, okay. I said, well, that's where I'm going. I said, actually, the church that I pastor is on the northeast side of Indianapolis, on the northeast side in a, in, a, in a town called Anderson. She looked at me and she said, sir, work is taking me to Anderson. That's actually where I'm going. I'm going to Anderson. And I said, so you're on, you're on the next flight with, with me then in, uh, in Minneapolis? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, well, God bless you. I'll catch you, catch you in Minneapolis. And so I got off the flight and went and got a bite to eat, which is majorly important. And, uh. I came, sat down at the gate, and she came walking by, and I just felt that prick in my heart. And I called her by name, and uh, I said, have a seat. You know, we sat down, everybody was standing around staring. And I said, let me, tell you, let me tell you about this church that I was at. I said, you're from that area, right? She said, yeah. I said, let me tell you what God did this week. And I started telling her, I'm giving you the fast-forward version here. And tears started swelling up in her eyes, and she said, sir, I don't know. But she said, I could listen to you talk all day. She said, does that kind of stuff happen everywhere you go? I said, ma'am, let me tell you what God's doing right now on the earth would blow your mind. And uh, she said, you know, I was raised a certain way. And and, uh, I said, I understand that. I understand how you were raised. And and I said, but uh, can I I share something with you about the word? And she said, yeah, that'd be great. And uh, I started walking through the word sitting right there in the airport. There were hundreds of people and I noticed people leaning back trying to tune into the conversation and I said, "You know, ma'am, I want to tell you how important it is." I said, "You know, Peter Peter stood up and began to share about Jesus Christ being crucified and the Bible said when he when he did, he told him they were they crucified him and God had made him both Lord and Christ and the Bible said when When he told them that that they were pricked in their hearts what you're feeling right now you've been pricked in your heart and i said you know peter peter preached the word to them then they were pricked in their hearts and they asked him a question they said well then what do we do and i said ma'am peter said unto them to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and and I said I said but listen it wasn't just for them I said because let me show you right here in verse 39 he said for the promise is unto you and to your children in verse 39 all that are afar off even as many as the lord our god shall call and i said ma'am i I want you to notice something i said peter was baptized in jesus name and filled with the holy ghost and spake with other tongues i said there were 120 in the upper room that received the holy ghost spoke in other tongues and were baptized in jesus name and namely mentioned was also mary the mother of jesus i said do you think that if mary had to be baptized in jesus name and filled with the holy ghost And Peter had to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, you think the Lord would want you to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost? She said, I do. Amen. People are hungry, folks. People are hungry. And I want to tell you that the promise is still for you. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name or filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can have it tonight. You can have it tonight. Amen. I know you've been standing for a while. So let me just read two quick verses. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 17. If you love the Lord, shout amen. Amen. He said, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before. You had a heads up on this, he said. Beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked Fall from your own steadfastness. He said, but grow. Somebody shout grow. Grow. This is where we're going to be tonight. He said, but grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm glad he's not just my Savior. He is also my Lord. He said to him, be glory both now and forever. And could we join Peter with that last word right there? I like it. Could we say amen to the reading? Amen. 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 I want to talk to you tonight very simply about keys to spiritual growth. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Keys to spiritual growth. I want to begin with uh, the statement that The apostle makes, he said, but grow in grace. Now, this is another one of the scriptures that at first glance, you can absolutely sweep through it quickly and miss the context of what he's saying. Somebody shout grow. Grow. Growth is the will of God. Let me say that one more time. Growth is the will of God. It is not the will of God for us to just sustain ourselves and just kick back and relax. Salvation is of my soul is not just so that I can say I'm saved but as a matter of fact it is a constant work of the grace of God in my life once I get saved it's the grace of God helping me stay saved and the apostle said to grow in grace now I've got to hurry through this because I've got five things I'm going to cover tonight but I want to touch on why it's important for us to grow in grace and to understand the power of what, what transpires when we grow in grace because there is a certain spirit that grips the hearts of people that once they serve the Lord for some time maybe get cold in their spirit and they walk away and and again I don't want to stay here but I just want to touch on this that uh, they may get a little bit carnal, backslide, leave the church, leave leave God so to speak and Make some foolish decisions, and when they come back, they feel as though they get a fresh start, okay? Now, I I, I don't want to send mixed signals here. You do get a fresh start in the fact that uh, there is restoration in your life. But restoration is interesting because restoration is not a do-over. Anybody in here ever seen a car that's been restored? So this is what you know about the car when it's restored, that they, they restore it to look like it looked when it rolled off the line, right? But it's not a brand new car. And so when we're restored in Christ, we are not brand new. In other words, we don't start all over. We are not born again, again. You can only be born again one time. There's only one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. If you believe it, say amen. amen. And so when we backslide and leave the Lord and we come back, we don't come back to God as a newborn baby. We come back to God with all of the knowledge that we had before we left him. So we don't, we don't come back in and get to start over. We come back in with all the knowledge that we had when we left why is that because we have grown in grace. Now if you could imagine grace as a big sphere, if he said to grow in grace. So I want you to just imagine that grace is this big this big ball, okay? It's a, it's a big ball of grace that has limitations. I wish I had one of them big huge blow up things that you you know roll over people in. You ever seen them big things? I wish I had one cuz they're they're cool. But if you put me in one of those and you put A little baby in one of those. That baby is going to appear as though it has a lot more room than I have. Now, I'm telling you this for a reason. When you put the baby inside the sphere, it can roll around and flop and kick and make all kinds of noise. You put me in there, I'm like, why is that? Because I'm grown inside of that. As a baby, you've got room inside of grace to move. The more that you grow in grace, you start running out of room. That if you move the way you used to move, now you have stepped outside of a boundary that is your protection. People, is is that making any sense? So I, I used to be able to move around in grace because there was room. But now the more I know and the more I find out. And the more I know about Jesus Christ now, I have grown in grace. And so if I'm going to move like I used to, that means I step out of grace. And so I got to be very careful to understand that the more I know about him, I can't unlearn that about him. Oh, wow. As I begin to learn more about Jesus and know more about Jesus, I don't just unlearn all that because I get cold in my spirit and leave. In other words, I'm going to come back in the same way that I went out. If you walk away from the Lord, you got to come back home to the Lord the same way that you walked out on the Lord. And if we're not careful, we will will get cold and stagnant in our ways and we'll stop growing. Now, I'm going to use some strong language right here, but it's for purpose. I want you to understand that if you're not growing and you're not moving forward in Christ then in my opinion, you are backsliding. Backsliding doesn't mean that you all of a sudden started drinking, smoking, cussing, doing all the things that you used to do because you've grown in grace. You don't have the room you used to have. And so now that you have grown, any movement that is not in the direction of growth, in my opinion, is a movement in the wrong direction. It is the will of God for us to constantly be growing in Christ. It is the will of God for us to be growing in him. And I think that the enemy wants us to believe that this is so overcomplicated that it's impossible for us to grow in him. And we get intimidated when we look at the big picture. Have you ever looked at somebody and said, I'll never be that spiritual? You know how they got that way? One day at a time. Do you know how you grow in Christ? One day at a time. The same way that you eat an elephant. One bite at a time. You don't go from a baby to a grown-up overnight in the flesh. And you don't go from a baby to a grown-up overnight in the spirit. It takes some time to grow. But the desire to grow must stay burning in your heart. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. So I'm going to give you five simple keys tonight. And when I say simple, I mean... Simple, but we've overcomplicated this process. I was going through some notes that I had taken for myself back in 2010 2011, and I wrote down five steps for myself. Yeah, I, I, that, that's not that long ago. And I wrote down five steps for myself on how am I going to grow in God? What do I need to do to grow in God? So I'm going to let you, in my personal life, from notes that I took in 2011. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to grow in God the same way that I grow in God. you believe that? So the first key to spiritual growth is priorities. Priorities. Somebody say priorities. Priorities. Why priorities, Pastor? Because this has got to be the first thing that shifts in your life. When people come to God, we often use the church as kind of the mode of, of invitation. You know, it's easy. We say, come go to church with me, right? And so everything is kind of based on church. That's not It's not a bad thing, by the way, to get people to come. But listen, your priorities have got to start shifting because if you're not careful, you'll look at the kingdom of God as an activity. We go to church as an activity. It's a 7 o'clock Wednesday night, 10 o'clock Sunday morning, 6 o'clock Sunday night, prayer meeting on Thursday night. It's an activity that we go to, but when you begin to grow in God you realize as you prioritize in your life that the kingdom of God is not something that you add to your life the kingdom of God becomes your life going to church is part of the process of growing but going to church is not growth in and of itself it's a it's something that we do it's part of the treasure that we have to be together in the house of the Lord, but you can tell when somebody's priorities start changing because they're not wondering whether or not they're going to be there the next time the church doors are open because they've started living in a kingdom principle seven days a week where the kingdom has become their priority and you can count on it that when the church doors are open they're going to be there because the kingdom of God has become their priority. Now, Matthew chapter 6 is so powerful, and if I had the time tonight, I'd walk you all the way through it. But Matthew chapter 6, I'm, I'm just going to touch on verse 33 tonight so that I can get where I'm going quickly. But the Lord is sharing this. He said, I know that some of you are worried about what you're going to wear. I know you're worried about what you're going to eat. And he throws this really cool thing in. He said, what one of you could worry all day long and, and, and add one cubit to your stature? He said, you can worry, 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 and it's not going to change one thing about it. Do I have any fellow worriers in here tonight? Worrying is easy, but believing God is difficult sometimes. That's why we revert to worrying so much because it's easier to worry than it is to believe that God can handle it. Boy, I'm preaching right now. He said, but don't you worry about what you're going to eat. Don't you worry about what you're going to wear. He said, I want you to look at those lilies in the field. He said, they don't toil at all, and I've clothed them. He said, but if you want to know how the kingdom moves and how posture in the kingdom works, he said, seek ye first. Somebody shout first. first. Seek ye first. That's a priority. That is a numero uno. That's number one. It is paramount. It is preeminent. Seek ye first. A good job, and then, oh, maybe I got out of the King James. I'm sorry. He said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, y'all ain't ready for this, especially you worriers. He said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. What things? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to work? Where am I going to live? What's going to happen? He said, if you'll learn to prioritize and put the kingdom of God number one in your life, he said, I will take care of you. Now, I want to be very careful tonight to tell you that I, I don't believe we're, we're going to go to uh, in this same chapter. We're going to go to the 19th verse and we'll work through a couple of verses real quickly. But I, I don't believe I believe that people have taken this out of context when they say that this means you don't plan for retirement. I think you should plan for retirement. I was raised in an atmosphere. My grandfather always taught me. He said. Uh, he said, you live like Jesus could come any minute and you plan like he's not going to come for a hundred years. That, that's kind of how I was raised. You, you live like the, the trumpet could sound at any moment and you plan like he's not going to come for a hundred years. But I do want you to understand what Jesus is saying. He said, when your priorities are right, your number one focus in verse 19 is not to lay up for yourself treasures upon the earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Anybody in here like a thief? I can't stand a thief. He said, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Somebody shout heaven. Heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. And this verse right here wears me out. He said, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He said, you're never going to have to ask somebody where their treasure is because their heart will reveal their treasure. And if they're always worried about their treasure in the earth, it'll be revealed through their heart. Can I tell you tonight, when your priorities start changing, your heart is set on the things of God. Your heart is set on the things of God. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure is in the kingdom of God, nobody has to beg you to love God. If your treasure is in the kingdom of God, nobody has to beg you to be faithful to God. It is your good pleasure to be faithful to God because you love him. Does anybody love him here tonight? Oh, I love him. Now. The number two key I want to tell you, and this is, oh Lord, this is simple, but it's a goal you got to set in your life. And that is a daily scheduled Bible reading. I want you to walk with me on this now. The word of the Lord said that his people are destroyed. Somebody tell me why. For a lack of knowledge. I'm not talking about the new baby in grace. I'm talking about people that have grown in grace. It would shock you how many people have been baptized in Jesus' name but don't know why. It would shock you why they don't believe, why, why how many people don't know why we don't baptize any other way than in Jesus' name. People that don't take time to get the word in their heart. I want to tell you that Hebrews, the fourth chapter in the twelfth verse, makes a really strong statement. It says, for the word of God is quick somebody say quick that doesn't mean that it's fast it means the word literally means it is alive the word of God is alive and it is powerful and it is sharper than any two edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the morrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart I want to tell you I was about 18 years old, and my dad had left town, and uh, I I was home with my mom. It was just the two of us there, and uh, I had gone in laid across their bed one night, and we were were talking. My dad was gone. My sister was gone, and uh, I was laying in on my mom's bed. She was in there reading the Word of God uh, as she does in the evening before she goes to bed, and I, I, I was raised like that. I'd walk in on my grandmother on a daily basis with her reading the Word of God, and uh, I was laying in the bed with my mom and she had her word, well, she had the Bible open and so I was trying not to uh, distract her, you know, and, and uh, I fell asleep. I fell asleep there laying on my, on my dad's side of the bed and uh, all of a sudden my mom, she's a witness to this, that it happened. my mom was reading the Bible and I jumped up in the bed and I said, mother, what in the world was that? she said what are you talking about honey i said i literally just saw a flash of lightning boom across this room what was that it woke me up i was dead asleep and i saw lightning go boom like that across the room and i said i said what was it she said baby i don't know i just closed my bible My mother sat reading the word of God and when she closed the pages of that sacred and holy book there was a flash of lightning that came through that room and caused me to come out of a deep sleep. You know why? Because it's alive. The word of God is alive. Oh my, my, my. Why does that flash of light matter to me, pastor? That's foolishness. You don't understand where the light of the word of God is. It dispels the darkness of the enemy. You know what I believe that flash of light was? Every spirit of fear, every spirit of doubt, and every spirit that thrives in darkness, it had to go when the word of God was present. Somebody shout, it's a lie. In Psalms 119 and verse 104, the psalmist said, Through thy precepts I get understanding. Anybody here want some understanding? He said, you're going to get him through his precepts. Therefore, I hate every false way. Now, this is good. I wish I had time to just preach this. I, I have. I got the notes of my great grandfather on a piece of paper. He had folded three ways, so there was three panels on each side. There were six sermons on one piece of paper. And one of those sermons was, I hate every false way. This was my great-grandfather. And so I, I, I took a picture of those notes. I, God hates every false way. And I brought him, I preached it to this church. But I want to show you the power of what this is saying. He said, through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Therefore, this is, this is joining together because, because I get understanding from your precepts. Because I understand from your word I hate every false way. Now, we're so worried about uh, we're so worried about false prophets and counterfeits and all that. We don't want anything to do with it. But do you know do you know how bank workers get trained to watch for counterfeit money? They don't give them counterfeit money. They give them real money. If you can identify what is real, then you don't have to worry about. What's fake? And he said, I get understanding from your word that is real. And it makes me hate every false way. But if you don't get the word of God settled in your heart, then you don't know what false doctrine is. You got to get the word settled in your heart. And when you understand the pure word of God, you fall in love with the pure word. And you're not satisfied with anything that's not. So the enemy, the enemy wants us to be ignorant. The devil literally wants us to be ignorant. I hope y'all got your seatbelts on because I'm fixing to come swinging for the fence for just a second. But the devil's not the only one that loves ignorance. Let me tell you why some people love ignorance. Because they act like if they don't know it, then they can still do it and God don't care. If I don't apply myself to the word and and apply the word to my life, then I can still do the sinning that I want to do. Listen, when you pick up that word and you start getting understanding from his precepts, you get a very clear revelation that you can't do what you used to do and live how you used to live and love what you used to love and be okay with him. He said, because I found out what the real word is, I hate every false way hate it. That's a, that's a heavy word. I hate every false way. I love this. I love, he's talking about the way, every false way. Somebody shout, The way. And this brings verse 105 into context. He said, Thy word is a lamp. Woo! This will preach itself right here. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He said, as long as I've got your word, it is constantly shining on the pathway and I can tell what's a true way and what's a false way. (laughs) Folks, I'm going to use a little bit of logic right here and just tell you that if his word lights your pathway, that means when you don't have his word, you're walking in darkness. I don't know what I'm going to do, Pastor. I don't know where to go. I get understanding from thy precepts because your word is a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my path. Well, I get get plenty of word. You know, I'm, I'm I'm a connoisseur of preaching, Pastor. I love to hear preaching. I listen to 742 podcasts every week. That is not a replacement for reading the Word of God. I don't care if you've listened to every podcast on First Pentecostal Church Anderson or First Pentecostal Church North Little Rock or the Rock Church. or I I, I don't care if you listen to every one of them every day. You still got to get in the Word. And you got to get the Word in your spirit. You, you, you can't go through life satisfied saying, well, you know, I don't have to know everything. I'm going to die trying to know everything I can about him. I don't want to live my life saying, I just, there's some things about God I'm never going to know. That may be the case, but I'm going to spend every day of my life in the word of God saying, let your word speak to me. Let your word light up my pathway. Let your word bring life to me. And so, so, so when, when would be a good time? Well, can we just stay in the word for it? Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Are you ready? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he. He thinks about it every morning and he thinks about it every evening. Folks, I'm not here. I'm not here to beat an old dead horse, but it's hard to meditate on the Holy Ghost and Hollywood at the same time. It's hard to keep your head on national news, keep your mind on a television, and keep your mind in the Word of God. Oh, but pastor, this world's falling apart. Yes, it is. And I've already read where this world's going to fall apart. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. You want to set your hopes on things eternal? Meditate on the word of the Lord. Think about it in the morning. Think about it in the evening. Get it in your spirit. I need the word of God in my life. And I, I got to have it first. and fo- I got to have it. Seek ye first. Somebody say first. The third key to spiritual growth. And I only need about six months to teach on this one point. But the third key to spiritual growth, folks. Hear your pastor. If you know me at all and you know my heart. is daily prayer. I'm talking about every day. I'm talking about when you get up in the morning, you may say, good morning, baby, or how you doing there? Good looking. I'm just saying the things my wife says. (laughs) Honestly, the first thing my wife usually says in the morning is, (laughs) they're related. I know it's going to sound crazy to you folks, but I believe this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, pray without ceasing. I believe, I believe in a separated time of prayer every day, but I also believe, I believe in praying all day. I'm not, I'm not talking of, now. you, you need that. And I'm going to talk about this season in just a minute. You need that season where you shut in your prayer closet and you pray. But I literally start praying and not because I'm a holy man. I start praying from the time I wake up. When I wake up and my eyes come open, I'll say, "Lord, I thank you for health and life and strength. I call me crazy. I'm not trying to let you into my personal world, but I get up, and when I walk to the restroom, I start thanking the Lord for two good feet. I do. I thank the Lord that my body's working. I thank, the, I thank the Lord that I could see. I could smell. I, I, I know when I wake up and I look outside. I mean, it's Indiana, so you don't know if it's going to be snow or scorched grass. I mean, I thank the Lord when I get up. I say, Lord, this is the day that you have made. Why do you think that's important? Because I've got to set it first. I don't care what happens for the rest of the day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. If it brings sunshine, so be it. If it brings rain, so be it. But it is the day that the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings when I say this. But I don't get up every morning of my life doing jumping jacks up and down saying, yippee, yippee, I'm going to the church today. (laughs) I have some days I don't want to come down here. Well, I know you guys are feeling hell getting hot around your ankles right now, aren't you? (laughs) There is... There is something about life that you need to understand, okay? I know you do, but you got to get this. Just because bad things happen doesn't mean God hates you. You can be seated. Just because you're going through a difficult time doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. Just because you got a boss that's a jerk doesn't mean God's failed you. You know what it means? It means that guy's a jerk. That's what it means. And there's been many men and women that's got up and gone to work to a job they didn't like for many years. And it just kept on going. But you know it's something because people will get up and go to a job they don't enjoy because they know a paycheck's coming. But you can't get them in the habit of praying every day. It's because the pay plan's a little different. I can't I can't even begin to tell you the importance. Oh God, it breaks my heart to think of people that have served the Lord for 30 years and 40 years that can't pray for an hour. It's heartbreaking. That they can't shut in with God and spend time with him. After walking with Jesus for three and a half years, he had three disciples that were close to his heart that he took into the garden. They fell asleep. He said, could you not tarry with me? But pastor, I don't don't know what to say. That ain't true. You sat in my office for an hour. I sat with, listen, I know some folk know how to talk. And this is the value of it. The more you talk to him, the easier it gets to talk to him. The more you spend time in prayer, the easier it is to spend time in prayer. But you're never going to grow spiritually without prayer. you got to spend time with God. you got to spend time in communion with him. In Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 14. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 is pretty interesting. It said, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. They continued in prayer for 10 days. You think an hour of prayer meeting's long. They shut up in the upper room in Jerusalem for 10 days. It took the Lord 10 days. To get their minds in the right place. And then the Holy Ghost was poured out. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. After the Holy Ghost fell. And after they preached. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said. And they continued steadfastly. In the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and somebody finish this. So they prayed until the spirit moved. And then they kept on praying after the spirit moved. We've got potential in us if we're not careful to pray until God moves and bails us out. And then we stop praying. Am I helping anybody right now? But they prayed until the answer came and then continued praying. You know why? Because I don't just need one answer from him. But I don't just pray for answers. It's a principle you got to get. I don't just pray for answers. I pray because it's something that I must do if I'm going to grow. Now Acts 3. This is a cool chapter. Miracle happens. Peter and John are going to the house of the Lord, right? So we go to Acts chapter 3 and verse number 1. And the scripture said, now Peter and John went together into the temple at at the hour of prayer. What's that mean? It means it was an established time that they went to pray. It was clockwork. They went at the hour of prayer. It was as normal as breathing to them. We've got to get to the place in the church of the living God that praying is like breathing oxygen to us. Boy, it's quiet up in here on Wednesday night. Somebody shout prayer. Prayer. We're not going to grow if we don't pray. We got to figure out a way. Well, I don't enjoy it, Pastor. Then grab your old flesh by the nap of the neck and get up every day and say, I'm going to talk to the Lord today. I'm going to spend time with the Lord today. I don't care if I got to walk it off or lay on the floor or stand in a corner, but I'm going to talk to the Lord. If you believe it, say amen. Now I want to give you the fourth key. I wish I had all night stay on that third key. There's... There's nothing like it. It comes back to the number one key, and that's priorities. you gotta, you got to get priorities, and you got to make prayer your priority. But I want to give you the fourth key tonight to spiritual growth. The fourth key to spiritual growth is to follow your pastor as he follows Christ. Now, this is going to feel a little bit self-serving because your pastor is the one that's preaching. But I'm going to tell you. Well, I believe you need to follow your pastor because I believe even as a pastor, I need a pastor. I have to have a man of God in my life. And notice I said man. Not men, not multiple. My bishop taught me anything with two heads is a freak. Now, you may have people that speak into your life, but you only got one pastor. You only got one. And that pastor is the one that you're submitted to. Can I just preach that while I'm there? I've heard people saying, well, that's my church, but I pay my tithes over there. No, you don't. You, you, you pay your tithes where you're fed. I said, you pay. you pay your tithe where you're fed. You, you can't call me your pastor and send Jimmy Swaggart money. I feel like my granddad, Brother McClain. He said, no, i tell you what they ought to do. They're going to send their money to Jimmy Swaggart. He said, when they go into the hospital, they need to call Jimmy. Now, you know as long as I've been in this church, I've preached this, but I mean it. If I ever stop following Jesus, you better stop following me. If I ever start preaching false doctrine in this church, I want you to get up and walk out. If I ever quit preaching the new birth and holiness and separation, I hope this whole church clears out. I'm not saying this to just be disrespectful, but we don't need a bunch of limp jelly jellyback preachers that are trying to fill up pews. We need men of God that will stand between heaven and earth and get between people and say, whatever you got to do, you got to be saved. Somebody shout yes. yes. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, Romans 10 and verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Anybody got a good answer to that? He said, if you don't have a preacher, you can't hear. But what kind of preacher Do you need in your life? Verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Do you know why I'm preaching in this church tonight? Not because a man put me in this church, but because God sent me to this church. I stand in this church tonight because God sent me here. I'm here tonight because God wants me to be here tonight. Church family, I want to tell you, I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart. You need a man of God in your life that has veto power in your life. You need a man of God that can veto some things in your life. This is not popular preaching, but I hear people preach about submission all the time. Submission, 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 submission. But what is submission? Submission begins where agreement ends. Do you you. hear what I said tonight? Submission begins where agreement ends. I need a voice in my life when I start leaning towards carnality. That can look at me and say, "Son, you know better." I I took senior leadership of this church. We were working on the bylaws. My dad, my dad said, "Well, what, like what, what's going to be my job as a bishop?" He said, "You're going to pastor the church." What's my job as a bishop? I said, "You're going to guard apostolic doctrine in this church and make sure I don't do something dumb." You're going to make sure I love this truth. And you're going to hold my feet to the fire when I start saying things that are foolish behind the pulpit like, I don't think that's necessary anymore. Do you know why so many churches have fallen off the path? you know why so many preachers have fallen off? Because they're not submitted to a pastor. Then need... There's a big deal going on right now. And I, I got to be careful because it's going around the internet. But I, there's this thing right now about church hurt. Church hurt. Folks, the church ain't never hurt nobody. Never. People get hurt by people. They don't get hurt by the church. The church has been redeemed and purchased with his own blood. There's no such thing as church hurt. There's people hurt. Because people get crossways. But you get crossed up with people at your job and keep going back to your job. You get mad at your boss and go back to work. But if you get crossed up with a brother or sister or, God forbid, with your pastor, you'll go find another one. I don't need somebody that's going to bow to every whim in my life and my flesh. I need a pastor in my life that's going to say, preach me the word, whether I like it or not, and I'm going to follow the word. If you believe it, shout yes. Well, that feels awful self-serving, Pastor. It ain't self-serving. I'm telling you tonight, I believe it with all my heart. Brother Huntley used to say this when I was a kid. He'd say it all the time. Brother Wayne Huntley from North Carolina. He'd say, you can't be right with the master and wrong with your pastor. Folks, I believe that. If you think I'm on a power trip or some ego trip, you don't know me. You just you, you don't know me. But I preach submission because I believe in submission. Do you know that submission moves the heart of God even with people that don't know the fullness of the truth? I wish I had time to dive into this. But the centurion came to Jesus and he said, Sir, I understand authority. He said, because I am under authority and I have authority. Jesus wasn't impressed with his authority. He was impressed with his submission. And your authority is only as great, oh man, your authority is only as great as your submission. Last but not least tonight, I want to close with what I believe is a fifth key in my life to spiritual growth. And that is unadulterated praise and worship. This is vitally important. I got to take three deep breaths and calm down right here. Or this place could erupt on this. It's the truth. I want to tell you. We need to be intoxicated. Overwhelmed. With unadulterated praise and worship. What, what, be clear, Pastor. What's unadulterated? It's an adjective. It's an adjective that means not mixed or diluted with any different or extra elements. In other words, I don't praise him because I have want. I praise him because he's worthy. I don't praise him because I'm healed. I praise him because he's the healer. There is value in unadulterated praise and worship. And I just want to quickly draw a a parallel and a difference, distinction for you between praise and worship. Now, praise is when we posture ourselves in a spirit of gratitude. Worship is more a posture of recognition. Because I praise him for my shoes. You understand what I'm saying? I do. Thank you for clothes on my back, shoes on my feet. Thank you for a shelter over my head. Thank you for a nice warm bed. Thank you, God, for this pews and carpet. And thank you for all your goodness. But a worshiper doesn't have to have shoes to bless him. I give him praise for what he's done. But I worship him for who he is. And my vision of who he is is not obfuscated by what I've missed on what he has or has not done in my life. I worship him whether he answers the prayer or he chooses not to answer the prayer. I worship him whether he heals me or he doesn't heal me. But either way, he is worthy of my worship. I'm quickly closing. But Matthew 20 and verse 20 said, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him. Somebody say worshiping. She came worshiping him. Watch this. Desiring a certain thing of him. You can see from the start, there's a motive behind her worship. It's not unadulterated. She came worshiping him. And she said to him, he said unto her, What would thou And she said, I want you to grant that my two sons may sit one on the right hand and the other on the left hand in thy kingdom. If you're worshiping him for the promotion of yourself or the promotion of your children or the promotion of your family, that is not worship. I want you to know tonight that a true worshiper will worship him in spirit and in truth. A true worshiper will worship whether your kids are at the right hand or the left hand. It's easy to give God praise when there's money in the bank and there's gas in the car and you've got a good job. It's another thing to get up with nothing and say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. Let's stand together. Five keys that I believe will help you grow. Get your priorities in alignment. Get in the Word of God. Get in a prayer closet. Follow your man of God. And worship with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. I believe there's somebody in this room tonight that truly understands the power of unadulterated worship. Now when I stand up here, or bishop, or whoever's leading service stands up here and says, Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise that's not worship because I can ask you to exalt his name together with me we can praise him together but but worship is not something that you can be cheer led into when you truth nobody can make you worship him I asked the Lord one time I said Lord If everything bows in your glory, then why don't you just openly expose your glory? You know, makes sense. If everything's going to bow to you, he said, it's not time. Someday every knee will bow and every tongue confesses, but it's not time now. I said, Lord, I don't understand. I want the whole world to be saved. And your word said, it's not your will that any should perish, but all come repentance. Why don't you just reveal your glory? And if you reveal your glory, then every knee's going to bow. He said, because if I reveal my glory, they have no choice but to bow. He said, so anybody that's bowing their knee right now is because they want to. Anybody that's bowing right now, it's because it's in their heart to do it. I'm getting ready to ask you a favor tonight. I want you to help me give him praise. But I got a feeling that if your praise is unadulterated and you begin to praise him from a pure heart tonight that it's not going to be but just a couple of seconds till that praise begins to transition into a moment of worship where you recognize the holiness of God. Would you just help me right now across this room before we dismiss to give him thanks according to his excellent greatness. To praise Him according to His mighty acts. To praise Him tonight because He is excellent. To praise Him because He is God. And God all by Himself. To praise Him because He is God. And there is none beside Him. There is none above Him. There is none beneath Him. He is God all by Himself. that's it, let it flow out of your soul right now let it flow out of your heart right now hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah Lord, you are good Lord, you are good that's it, church, love him with me Love him with me tonight, would you? Come on, bless him with me tonight. Woo! As one voice, could we offer the Lord praise together? Could we do that? Come on, let's fill this house with the 47th Psalm right now. Clap your hands, oh you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, be filled all over this room with the Holy Ghost right now. Let His Spirit fill your heart, soul, and mind right now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's it, church, for one more minute. Let's just praise Him together.